Are you ready for some football? He talks green and gold. This is the Huddle with Bill Michaels. Welcome back to the program. Glad to have you. Bill Michaels Huddle is brought to you by our friends at Bud Light, the official beer sponsor of the Bill Michaels Sports Talk Network. And we're kind of going through that list of guys that they tried to fit square pegs into round holes for years and years and years. And uh, one of the guys that I had mentioned, Lawrence Guy, yeah, they Lawrence Guy was kind of miscast in Green Bay, and then he bounced around. He went to uh, Baltimore, and now he's been a pretty solid starter for Bill Belichick and the New England Patriots. Still there, as a matter of fact, still over there. But uh, but yeah, I wanted to uh, wanted to mention that because there was a couple of guys that left here and had a little bit of success, but not much. But Lawrence Guy is actually having some success. In, uh, in the uh, Patriots situation. Uh, in the meantime, our buddy Dave Schrader from uh, WBAY-TV in Green Bay now joining us on the hotline. Dave, thanks for joining us for a couple minutes tonight, man. I appreciate it. Oh, glad to jump on. So, uh, you know, this, we've had a chance to kind of sit back and decipher the season. We saw Nathaniel Hackett leave. Uh, Stenovich uh, looks as if he's going to be uh, going out to Denver as well. Give me your thoughts as to now, uh, wh- what now for this coaching staff? Are we assuming that Luke Getzey's going to get the uh, offensive coordinator job and Butkus is going to move up as well? I think that would be the hope. The Packers hope that they're able to promote from within and uh, prevent further defections from the staff to, to join Hackett. I know uh, when Matt LaFleur put his initial staff together, he wanted some assistance, was not allowed to have them. He wanted his brother Mike from San Fran, was denied uh, on that request. So we'll see what the staffs of both Denver and Green Bay look like moving on to next year. What do you think um, happens? I mean, there's been so much speculation. And first of all, let me say this, that all the rumors and innuendos that are flying around out there about Rodgers uh, are just that. Uh, I until we hear something from Rogers, something substantial. Uh, I'm not buying into all the different stuff that's uh, you know going to be happening. Uh, they're already talking about the possibility of Justin Herbert and all these possibilities for trades down in Jacksonville. And that's not happening. So I uh, give me your thought as to what you think over the next few weeks and and, and where this team stands and where Aaron Rodgers stands, and then obviously how that goes in conjunction with Devontae Adams. I think March 8th is the date to watch. Uh, March 16th is the new league year in free agency. March 8th, I believe, is a franchise tag deadline for the Packers to decide whether or not to use it on Devontae Adams. And as we all know, deadlines spur action. There's a reason nothing's going to get done with the baseball players and owners. It's because the season isn't about to start. You know, deadlines spur action. So I think when they have to make a decision on Adams, Rodgers has to has to let him know by then for sure, and they have to pull the trigger probably on a trade by then for sure. Um, well, I guess they wouldn't have to make the trade then, but they'd have to be committed to that course of action, and you lose some leverage when other people know that you're not committed to that course of action. So, um, I think that's what we're looking at uh, as a time frame as far as what happens. Nothing would surprise me, and, I, and that's crazy, right, because there are a lot of options on the table. But I've learned from covering this man, Aaron Rodgers, and this team for 10 years, when you expect something, expect the opposite. You know, from when I thought last year they'd beat the Bucks and go to the Super Bowl because they had the, the one seed to this year, I thought if you hold the Niners out of the end zone, you score a touchdown your first drive, I thought you'd win. No, just the opposite. So I think Aaron Rodgers has mended fences with Brian Goodkins, but is that enough to – 
wrap his head around the cap situation and the sort of retooling slash rebuilding that might take shape is anyone's guess. So offensively speaking, when you see, you know, Luke Getze would ascend, you would assume, how much do you think Nathaniel Hackett versus Matt LaFleur versus Luke Getze versus Aaron Rodgers have a hand in putting together the offensive game plan and for those guys all working together? I mean, I, I guess my question is how much do you think they're going to miss Nathaniel Hackett might be the better way to put it. I think a great deal just because of the energy he brings to the team. People have talked about that with him. I've seen video clips of him coaching and teaching, and it just comes across in every fiber of his being is into what he's talking about, and you can't help but get excited about what the guy's excited about in front of you talking. So I think they'll miss it from that aspect. Uh, the gold zone was obviously better last season, 2020, than it was this past season in 2021, the gold zone, red zone stuff. But Hackett is a guy that is pretty much loved by all the players from everything that we can gather and, and by his fellow coaches as well. I think we'll learn a lot about Matt LaFleur as a coach based on the success he has without Nathaniel and possibly without Aaron as well. We're going to learn a whole lot in a hurry with this next season. At what point do you think, uh, and I said just a few minutes ago, that I think that there will be the coaching moves and such starting to be made Maybe tomorrow, maybe over the weekend during a slow, you know, off-put news cycle when it's uh, out of the public eye that Maurice Drayton is no longer with the team. That's kind of the way the Packers, when it comes to firings and such, that's kind of the way they work is try to make that announcement uh, over a weekend where there's not as many eyes on it. Do you see this weekend being a news-making weekend in Green Bay? I would imagine that that's going to happen when it happens. This weekend could be likely. Bury it in the NFC and AFC championship game. Hoopla that's going on around the league. Um, Mo Drayton, to me, just can't be back. I understand that they fired coordinators before and it hasn't fixed the problem. You can't oversee a debacle like that and return. I, I just I can't see it. And it may not all be on him. It may be on, yeah, the caliber players you put out there. Matt LaFleur lamenting, hey, San Fran had a lot of starters on special teams. Maybe I need to take a look at that. But still, the flaws were in every phase. Field goal protection, nope, had one blocked. Cost you points. Punt protection, nope, had one blocked. It cost you points. Kick return coverage, nope, had one return to 50, led to the Niners' only field goal to that point in the game. And punt return wasn't a whole lot better. So, um when you have that many flaws in that many areas in a game where it matters and you have to be at a heightened awareness in the playoffs so that it could affect the wins and the losses, that affect the legacies of players and coaches, I just can't see Drayton coming back. Yeah, it, it's some of the things were just inexplicable. And and I know right. Mike Clemens broke it down and, and where he's like, what what is Oren Burks doing and what are these guys doing at 240, 250 pounds trying to block a 270, 280-pound lineman? It, structurally, it just didn't make sense. And and I agree. After going back and kind of watching that game over again, I'm thinking to myself, boy, some of these guys, either one didn't try or two, that was nowhere near the responsibility. And guys next to them just flat out got burned. And I, it, it clearly Shanahan saw something where he said, hey, we may not be able to beat him in uh, the offense and defense, but this is a phase of the game that we can dominate them and get points out of it, and damned if they didn't. Yeah, the block punt, Wordle, the long snapper, was absolutely dump-trucked. I know he was brought in midseason because they had issues at that position, but I don't think they found their solution with him, that's for sure. 
you cannot just be bowled over like that. You put that on film, everyone's going to be trying to do that to you next year. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, defensively, and, and I just threw this out there, so I don't know what the roster is going to look like. But give me your assessment of Joe Barry in the season that he had defensively, because in the end, the defense didn't fail this team. The defense actually played admirably. I've covered this team for a decade, and I was chatting with some friends about this. And I said, I challenge you to tell me a better defensive performance start to finish in the game than that one right there. And in 10 years of covering the team, I know they've had a shutout of the Bills in 18, a shutout of the Seahawks this year. But to shut out the Niners, shut down the Niners the way they did was so impressive to me. Uh, yes, you could have asked Eric Stokes to keep his head up, maybe have a pick six. Um, but, you know, he was playing his responsibility, making sure he was making a sure tackle on that receiver in the red zone. Uh, they had all those third down sacks, four of them, I believe, two by Rashawn Gary. They had the big fourth down stop as well. That defense was playing really well. And, yes, they had a lot of pieces back, and that could have cost them. Um, I mean, Jair gave up a third-down catch. If he were in the flow of things having played the last three months, how would that have gone differently? Well, it may have gone differently. He may have defended that route across the middle a little better. And then Zadarius's run defense on that final third and seven where Debo Samuel got him in field goal range. Uh, he jumps inside. I'm not sure if his responsibility was to stay to the outside more. It looked like that would have been his gap responsibility. So some guys that had some rust cost them in little moments, but as a whole, that defense played its, its butts off the entire game, and I think that was the best performance of the year. And when you're grading Joe Barry, Bill, I, I think you have to ask, hey, how much better are they than last year? Statistically, they rank right around the same place as Mike Patton's defense did. But the fact that Joe Barry did this type of stuff without so many stars like Jair and Darius, missing Kenny Clark for that Browns game when they gave up a bunch of run yards, I think Joe Barry did a great job this year. So, And I agree with you. So now this is what's going to happen, in my opinion. If we do have this, this, you know, this changeover of the roster, and I don't know who's coming back or not, but we know that there's a lot of names that could possibly not be back. Devondre Campbell certainly has played himself into a big contract. Whether or not Zedarius is back or Preston is back, Adrian Amos is back, we'll wait and see. So if some of these guys don't return and you're not able to supplement them in some way, shape, or form and find some other guys, Rasul Douglas, Whitney Merciless as well, and the talent isn't the same, but yet the defense begins to falter, Suddenly, fans are going to say, well, here we go. There's that Joe Barry defense. But we all know what he did with a talented bunch of guys. You know what I mean? You know what I'm kind of getting at? Right. He had those poor defenses in Washington and Detroit, his previous coordinator stops. And the biggest difference is he had a lot of talent this year, yes, but he's also had a lot more experience in the NFL learning. And I think that if they do rebuild, they will rebuild likely around the defensive side of the ball. I believe it was a column by uh, – Tom Silverstein or, or Pete Doherty, I forget who wrote it, talking about how if you end up building around your defense, that could also help your special teams as well because if you're asking, you know, backup reserve linebackers hungry to get on the field to play special teams more than your third-string tight ends, you know, you might end up having a better, better special teams uh, unit as well. So I would expect if it's a rebuild, focus will be on that defense. It's an ascending unit. The the biggest need um, offensively, I think we can agree, is just simply going to be wide receiver. Uh, they've got uh, Tanyan where they can bring him back. They've got, obviously, the run game intact. Their offensive line's pretty deep. 
and I think it's just a matter of, of the wide receiving core right now at this point, right? If you if you don't get Devontae back, I mean, you, I, who knows, but I can't imagine them bringing back Randall Cobb again. Uh, Alan Lazard has already said goodbye to everybody. and he, There was nothing special about anybody else other than Devontae. So my assumption is that that's where you're going to start. I mean, you, you picked up Amari Rogers, but he didn't have that breakout, unbelievable season that everybody was kind of hoping for. So I think you got to go back to the drawing board with wide receivers, right? I mean, completely the drawing board. If, if you're not going to get Lazard back, MVS, I mean, he could be cheap, but I'm, I don't know what his future would be. And you're right, if Devontae's out the door, receiver is going to be a cupboard that's very, very bare. If you don't keep Devontae, it's going to have to be ground and pound and defense around here, which with Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers for three decades is not something we've grown accustomed to seeing. Right. No, I completely agree there that uh, you're not – and Rodgers isn't going to want to come back and be a ground and pound offense. No, no. That's not I mean, what he's Rogers looking for. He, he's not looking for that at all. Let, let's be clear. If 17's not here, there's no 12. <laughs> Do you think it really – or not Devontae Adams is back – well, that's that's a bare minimum. Like, yes, Adams has to be back, and then a number of other things have to happen, I think, to convince Aaron that this team can be competitive for a Super Bowl with what they've got to do. I was trying to crunch some numbers. Is there about $50 million over the cap when you add in the fact that they don't have that many guys on, on the books with contracts? They have to add in a number of minimum contracts just to reach the threshold for the cap. So, um Z, just because he's a $15 million cap hit, next year's got to be gone. I think P would be 13. Billy Turner, if you're going to start sacrificing the O-line to save some money, you could save, I believe, around $7 million there. But you got to still get millions and millions more. Adrian Amos has played great, especially with the postseason interceptions. But he can save you money if you get rid of him. I just think when you add all this up to get Aaron and Devontae back, convincing Aaron that that's not a rebuild would take a lot of something. You know, like this year he was right. really impressed with what Gutekunst did, bringing in Rasul and uh, Devondre Campbell on the cheap, right? But that's something that when those guys were signed, and no one thought, oh, that's a great signing. It was viewed in retrospect as a great signing. So even if Goody brings in a bunch of guys that are cheap, that are veterans, I don't know if you can sell Aaron on, hey, this isn't a rebuild. Look, we brought in these guys. Well, the guys you bring in for cheap aren't going to have a splash factor with the fans and likely wouldn't with Aaron either, unless he just really respects what those veteran players had done elsewhere before they fell off the cliff to become a cheap player. It's just guys that are cheap aren't going to impress you when you're looking at a team, whether they're a Super Bowl contender in the offseason. Maybe down the line if they perform well in your system, yes, but for Aaron to make the decision before free agency, it's going to be very hard, I think, to convince him that this team can win. Talking with Dave Schrader, WBAY-TV in Green Bay. Last one, Dave, and that is with uh, the salary cap significantly going up, not next year, but the year after and the year after that. Right. Do you think they then bring back some of these guys, shortchange them salary-wise in the front end, and give them the money in the back end if they can keep the band together? The problem with that is players in the NFL are so accustomed to not having guaranteed contracts, not seeing the end of their contract. You'd have to be really creative with how you build it in as a guarantee without paying it up front because usually paid up front signing bonus money is just about in roster bonuses year by year, just about the only thing that's viewed as guaranteed by these guys. So I, I'm sure Russ Ball and Brian Goodikins are creative geniuses. They were last year to bring the 2020 team back to have a run in 2021. But it's going to take, I think, an even more monumental effort by those two 
to do it again. And that's why they make the big bucks. They're charged with trying to make it happen. The one thing I could see to try to convince Rodgers and save these guys is to really, really handcuff yourself three, four years down the line. Kick the can down the road in a big way to where when it comes due, it's going to be really bad. Then you just count and pray, will the TV money go up enough to offset the moves we're about to make now? Because the $208.2 million salary cap ceiling isn't enough to really get it done when you're looking at it. But if you were able to add void years like some teams have to players down the line, really knock down their cap number now, uh, but know that the cap number is going to be astronomical when those void years kick in. When, like, you could give a guy, say, a 10 year contract when you know he's only going to play two more years for you. Say, say you think Aaron's right. going to play two, three more years. You could give him a 10 year contract with a ton of money prorated on a signing bonus over 10 years for the books now. And then when he leaves in three years or two years or whatever, then the rest of the seven years accelerates due on the cap immediately. You could take a huge, huge gamble and do that and say, I hope we win now. And yeah, we're going to be really hosed. And whenever he leaves in three or four years, like really, 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 really hosed. But maybe the TV money would be enough to offset that. Or maybe it's worth it to win a Super Bowl to really be in a bad spot. But the Packers have been so fiscally conservative and smart over the years. I'm not sure what's in their DNA. They got aggressive last year, kicking the can down the road. It's just a matter of what sort of tolerance for that type of thing you would have moving forward and how much you believe that if you do this, you get over the hump. As much as we're all talking about, can the Packers do it? Will the parties want to stay intact? It hasn't netted them a trip to the Super Bowl in 11 years. So if you're willing to mortgage your future, you have the utmost belief it's actually going to get you over the hump because you've had the two, the one seed two years in a row and it hasn't worked. So perhaps it's the time to rip the bandaid off as painful as that may be. Dave, great stuff. Uh, Great insight, man. I appreciate it, and uh, we're going to talk again soon. But thanks for joining us tonight, okay? Yeah, thanks for having me. Appreciate it, pal. Talk to you soon. There you go. That is uh, our good buddy Dave Schrader, WBAY-TV in Green Bay. You can find him on Twitter at Schrader, W-B-A-Y. Schrader, S-C-H-R-O-E-D-E-R, Schrader, W-B-A-Y, over there on Twitter. Some really good stuff. So here's my question, following up on what Dave had to say. Now think about this for a minute. Is it worth it? If you knew the Packers were going to get a Super Bowl, would it be worth it to put this team in salary cap jail for a couple of years if you knew they could garner another one in the next three to four years? Would you do it? Think about that. Stay tuned. we got a lot more of the Bill Michaels Huddle brought to you by our friends at Bud Light here at the uh, Swagger Sports Bar in the Root River Center. Stop in, say hi on Franklin or in, on Rosson Avenue in Franklin. we got more coming up after this. This is the Huddle with Bill Michaels on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Network. Michael's Huddle, and it's brought to you by our friends at Bud Light, the official beer sponsor of the uh, the Bill Michael Sports Talk Network and uh, of the Huddle uh, each and every week. Glad to be here. We are broadcasting live at uh, the uh, Swagger Sports Bar inside the Root River Center here in uh, Franklin, and got the bowling alley open. Got some people over there tossing them down the lanes. Dart League's coming in later on tonight, so all kinds of good stuff here in Swagger. You got the games up. Uh, the Lakers game and, uh, and and Philadelphia going at it. You got Ohio State on the tube 
taking on Minnesota at the barn in uh, college hoops. So you got a lot of stuff happening right now. Uh, 877-867-1670, 877-867-1670. If you want to hit us up, uh, give us a shout. Um, this is this is uh, from Josh. He said, I would uh, do that because in a three in three to four years, Rodgers would probably be gone anyway. So if you can keep this team mostly together for a couple more years, while Rodgers still has his years to play, I think if the Packers are going to suck, they should just go out and uh, go with one big year uh, and then go with no Rodgers in a few years. So that was the question. We were sitting here talking with Dave Schrader, WBAY-TV in Green Bay. And he's like, look, if you want to kick the can down the road and you want to have some voidable years and you want to pay some big contracts with guaranteed money and make minimal salaries this year, keep the band together, and then in a couple of years when those salaries start to come due, you really got to hope that the television money becomes large because, God forbid, anything like COVID, a mass COVID outbreak happen again, and all of a sudden you don't have fans in the stands and, the, and it doesn't go up, you're going to have a huge bloodletting when it comes to uh, players on this team. As it stands, and we all know if you start to go back and, and, and look at the contracts right now for all these team salary caps, as it stands, the Green Bay Packers are in salary cap jail right now with the 31st rank salary. They are $46.3 million over the cap, which doesn't really – it pales in comparison, actually, to the New Orleans Saints, who are $71.5 million over the cap. Dallas, by the way, 21.2. Uh, the Vikings, 12.1 over the cap. Uh, the Falcons are over by 5.7, 5.7 for the Giants as well. The Buffalo Bills, uh, 1.3 over the cap. The Tennessee Titans, 231000 and that's it for teams that are actually over the salary cap as of right now. Now, for the Titans, it's no big deal. You can figure out ways to get creative and get yourself a lot of money. But for the Packers, you got to cut off a lot of money. I mean a lot of money. Chunks of money. Lots of chunks of money here in the next uh, in the next few weeks as you start to get into the uh, the salary cap phase of all of this. When you look at the, the multi-year deals... And who is going to be making a chunk of change? Obviously, Rodgers, who's scheduled to make 46.1. You got you to gotta get rid of that. If you cut him loose, it's a $20 million salary cap hit. So you gain $20 million, okay? You gain $20 million. When you start to look at the salary cap for, for next year, you're going to gain. To actually, you'll, you'll, the dead cap hit is 26.8. So you would gain $20 million back. Zedaria Smith. Um, who is owed $14.5 million. His dead cap hit would be 12 and a half. So you would actually get back uh, a few million bucks. The cap hit's 27.6. The dead cap money's 12.2. You'd get back about an additional $12 million there. Um, David Bakhtiari, you, you're not cutting David Bakhtiari, by the way. You're not going to let him go. Preston Smith. You would gain back a, a few million bucks there. You'd gain back uh, almost $13 million right there. Uh, you're not going to let go of Kenny Clark. Jair Alexander is coming up in the last year of his deal, so you can, even though he's a $13 million cap hit next year, you could start to spread some of that money out and get some money back that way. Uh, Adrian Amos, he is going to be a, a cap hit of eleven point, uh, almost $12 million, where his dead cap money would be four. You would gain back $8 million if you cut him loose. Uh, you're going to gain back $7 million if you cut Randall Cobb. Um, Billy Turner, you'd gain back about $4 million. 
if you cut him loose. So there's a, there's a lot of money right there. Dean Lowry, you'd gain back $4 million there uh, and on down from there. And, and the other one you're probably going to take a cap hit on is Mason Crosby. Is Mason Crosby worth the additional $2 million to keep him on the team? 2.4 to be exact. Uh, is that veteran experience worth an additional $2.4 million? So some things to think about. Some things to think about next year, without a doubt, when it comes to uh, the cap hits for the Green Bay Packers. So what are you going to do? Um, 877-867-1670. By the way, Josh says, if the trade for Herbert for Rodgers rumors got more serious, would you think that it's quarterback for quarterback, or would they have to include some players as well? I think it would be uh, Justin Herbert and then draft choices. And I don't know how many, and I don't know what rounds. Uh, you know, maybe a second rounder and a third rounder or something like that. Uh, but I don't think it would be because you, what you're doing is trading a pretty good quarterback in Justin Herbert, who has not really blossomed yet, but has shown signs of promise and looks to be far superior you have in Jordan Love. And then that would be a guy that you would presumably have for a decade, if indeed he's good. So you're not going to get a ton of... You know, it's not going to be the Herschel Walker trade in return for a quality starting quarterback and a bunch of picks for Aaron Rodgers. You'd get probably Justin Herbert and some picks, maybe a two, maybe a three, somewhere in there. Um, so that's kind of the way I would see it going, if indeed that's true. But I don't think that's true, and I don't think it's going to happen. Uh, Jeff says with as smart as Rodgers is, he's got to realize with his salary eating a big portion of this team uh, and the cap, that management won't be able to attract the other great players Aaron wants. I know he's looking out for his own well-being, but if he doesn't want a rebuild and wants a ring in the Packers uniform, he needs to rethink the financials to keep great players around him. One thing is for sure, I don't want to see the Packers in a huge future financial deficit after Rodgers were to leave and or retire. That's the question. Let's say, because I agree with you, I think Rodgers has to realize that. He's a very smart guy. We all know that. We talked about it a lot. But the question then becomes, one, would you kick the can down the road and put the Packers in, say, four years in salary cap jail if you knew that you were able to get to a Super Bowl and put all the chips in the middle of the table for the next four years? Would you do that? The second thing is, even if Rodgers took only a million dollars in salary next year, while you would gain a a good portion of that back, obviously, um, but you would then, in addition to that, you'd still be over the cap and have to make some changes. But Rodgers is going to have to figure out what he wants and how much of that money he wants to kick down the road. I mean, I think uh, a lot of us are in the in the field of, you know, hey, it's it's it, you're going to have to look, uh, you know, kind of legacy in the eye and say, I think I'm going to have to take a pay cut to keep some of these guys that I really want around me, especially if he wants Devontae. If 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 he said, I want to keep Devontae, what do we need to do? And they said, got to take a big pay cut. I wonder if he would do that. I wonder if he would do that. Let's do this. We're going to step away, take a quick break, come back. we got a lot more of the Bill Michaels Huddle Broadcasting Live at Swagger Sports Bar out here at the Root River Center on Rawson Avenue in Franklin. We'll be back right after this. This is the Huddle with Bill Michaels on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Network. It's just been such a such a great experience to be able to take a, take a little bit of a seat back, um, be able to look at the big picture of everything, both uh, watching Matt as the head coach and then being able to assist Matt in all, all the offensive and play calls and everything and how he meshes everything together. I mean, it's just been an amazing experience. It really has. And, and I think the final thing is the culture. I mean, the culture that he's brought here, it, it's one of those things like, I mean, that's, that's, this is how it should be. 
Those are the words of Nathaniel Hackett talking about Matt LaFleur some time ago. Nathaniel Hackett, now the new head coach of the Denver Broncos, is uh, he is he has moved on and he has requested to take Stenovich with him, uh, the offensive line coach. You would assume that uh, Butkus will move up, Getzi will move move up, and those positions on the uh, the offense will soon be filled in different facets. So. There you have it. Uh, that being said, uh, this is from Pero, who says, how do you not consider the wild amount of draft picks we could get if we decided to go away from Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams? There's probably four, round, four first-rounders. Then uh, there would be the trade of Bakhtiari you could do. The O-line is very deep. I'm sure there could be a few other sign-in trades as well. Um, I don't think you're going to get four first-rounders for Rodgers. you probably get a couple and then some additional draft choices down the road. People seem to think that you're going to get like a Herschel Walker deal where you're going to get like six or seven or eight draft choices. I I don't know. I don't see that. Uh, ben Kenny back in the studio. Ben, do you? how many draft choices do you think you get for Aaron Rodgers? I've always thought it was three. Depends on the player package you get back, but three first, something around there. You think you're going to get three? I was thinking maybe like a couple of firsts, a two, and, you know, a four or something like that. I, there, Unless, of course, you get a starter. There isn't really a precedent for a quarterback like this being traded, but we talked about Jalen Ramsey. They got two first-round picks for him, and he plays cornerback. Yes, he's younger, yeah. but he's still expensive, but he's he's not Aaron Rodgers-type impact. Right. The argument is going to be he's got three to five. Um, uh, he's got three to five years left. So is it worth trading away, you know, four, three, four first-round draft choices for a guy that could possibly play five years? More likely three for, for a given. And then after that, you got to wonder if Father Time starts to catch up with him. Depends on who you, you are. If, I mean? I'm, if I'm Pittsburgh, the answer is yes, no matter what, because I'm set. The defense is great. You have weapons. It, there are some other teams out there. People have talked about Philadelphia. That roster is nowhere close to winning. So it depends on who you, who you are and where you are. Yeah, the uh, well, the Broncos have stacked trades as well, uh, trade cho- uh, chips as well, because remember they got uh, additional draft choices for Von Miller and that deal with uh, with L.A. And then there's the possibility of like a sign and trade for say Devontae, maybe getting something out of him, because otherwise if you let him walk, all you're going to do is get compensatory. Um, so you know, which they don't get me wrong, they value the draft picks, but again, you're talking about proven commodities versus virtual unknowns that you hope pan out in the next couple of years. My, th- my thing so, is you're going to enter that crapshoot no matter what. I would rather enter right. it with a lot of ammo to try to maximize the chances you hit because when Rodgers does leave or retire, it's either going to be love or if it's not love, it's going to be someone else. You enter the crapshoot but with a lot less to work with, right? You'd rather be yeah. drafting or have picks to trade up to get one of the top two guys compared to taking someone at 15. Then you end up getting Paxton Lynch, and he sucks. Okay, here's the next question, then. Would you rather, as a fan, maximize the next three to four years, kick the can down the, down the road, keep the band together, take a legitimate three or four shots with Aaron Rodgers at winning a Super Bowl, or cut bait now, begin a rebuild, just try to dump a boatload of draft picks back into this thing and turn it over to Jordan Love? So that's the back and forth I'm, I'm dealing with right now because – I don't know if you bring everybody back like Dave was talking about. I don't know if the roster is good enough to go win a Super Bowl, let alone win an NFC. And the AFC is a lot more loaded. 
but I don't know if the roster is going to be good enough to reverse what's happened in the last decade. Right. So right. I think if you, I think you can maximize a Super Bowl window by trading him, getting a lot back, seeing if love is the guy for a year or half a year. And if he's not, then you have all the ammo you need to go get another quarterback and you still are able to keep a lot of the good guys in the roster together. Uh, Craig says promoting from within has worked out really well for special teams. Look, I'm not promoting from within for special teams. There's no way in hell. I'm going outside of the organization. And now that Sean Payton is gone, who knows what uh, Rizzi may want to do down in uh, down in uh, in New Orleans. But remember, uh, he would then have to have a change in title and pay because you cannot make a lateral move if you're under contract with another franchise. You can't go laterally. You can go up, but you cannot go laterally. So if you brought him in as something other than just a special teams coordinator, he would have to be like the assistant head coach or something uh, if you're going to bring a guy like Rizzi in. Uh, because I know there's a lot of people saying, well, you know, Sean Payton's gone. Now he can go. No, if he's under contract, he can't go. And he can't make a lateral move in the NFL. You can't ask anybody to uh, ask somebody to make a lateral move. It would only be a move that comes up. So that's why Stenovich can go uh, interview and take a job in Denver because he's going from being an offensive line coach to an offensive coordinator where, you know, you got a guy like Getze moving up and you got a guy like uh, Butkus most likely moving up. But, no, special teams, I completely agree with you. I'm not, uh, I'm not promoting from within by any stretch of the imagination. Let's do this. We'll take a quick break. We'll come back. we got to take a look at the games coming up this weekend. you got a couple of big ones, the NFC and the AFC Championship games, Cincinnati taking on Kansas City. The Rams are hosting the 49ers. I wish the Packers were going to be there, but, unfortunately, they're just not. Stay tuned. We're going to wrap things up and talk about these games. Coming up next on the Bill Michaels Huddle, brought to you by our good friends over there at Bud Light. This is the Huddle with Bill Michaels on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Network. This team's been through a lot. Like, we've been through a lot of adversity. We've dealt with a lot. We've lost games by making mistakes. We've won games, you know, dirty. Um, this is a gritty team. It's a salty team. And we just keep bouncing back. We don't really let anything freak us out. I mean, when we played the Packers last time, we were down 17-0. We came back and, you know, almost won that game. Uh, Rams were down 17-0, and we came back and won that game. We just, I don't want to say we don't flinch, but we just stay calm. And, you know, we trust in each other, and we trust in the coaches. And this whole team's just full of football players that just love to play the game, and they don't really care about what's going on during it. But we're just going to keep battling, we're going to keep battling, we're going to keep battling. And then hey, we've been winning more than we have lost. Welcome back. Glad to have you back, as a matter of fact. Some good news tonight. Wisconsin, number 11, the Badgers, knocked off Nebraska 73-65. So, so good stuff there. And that was uh, George Kittle talking about uh, talking about his team and their chances. Unfortunately, the Packers aren't going to be there. But uh, this coming weekend, Sunday is Championship Sunday throughout the NFL. And it's time to make a couple of picks and analyze a few of these games. You've got uh, Cincinnati, the Bengals with Joe Burrow and company. On the road, taking on the Kansas City Chiefs. And Kansas City got to come from behind win when uh, Patrick Mahomes connected with uh, Travis Kelsey in the back of the end zone. Meanwhile, Joe Burrow guides his team down for a McPherson game-winning field goal to put them into the AFC Championship game, a place they have not seen in a long, long, long time. They had not won a playoff game since 1991. So you're finding yourself very quickly, as Joe Burrow is, in rarefied air when it comes to the Queen City. And as much as, you know, people, I know uh, the sentiment right now is for Joe Burrow and company. 
wanting to see Cincinnati get there after all these years of toiling away. And I understand that. But Joe Burrow, just a, a, a tremendous game. He had the one pick against the uh, the Tennessee Titans. Got the hell beat out of him. Sacked nine times in that game. He was 28 of 37, 348 yards. And uh, T. Higgins was the man, 90, 96 yards on seven catches. Uh, Uzuma, uh, seven catches, 71 yards. Uh, Chase had a big day as well. He had a one, five catches, but 109 yards for Cincinnati. That's his favorite target. But as much as I, I like the fact that they can run the football, as much as I like the fact that Joe Burrow is a, a blood and guts kind of quarterback and he's got swagger to him, the offensive line stinks. It's just bad. Uh, and, and they're going to end up getting that guy killed. So taking on Patrick uh, Mahomes, who had such a spectacular performance in, in that game, 33 of 44, 378 yards, three touchdowns, including uh, a 64-yarder to Tariq Hill and the game winner um, to, uh, to to Kelsey uh, in the ball game. Uh, Kelsey, by the way, eight catches, 96 yards in that game. Patrick Mahomes was your leading rusher as well. Seven carries, 69 yards, and ran one in for a touchdown. There's nothing he couldn't do in that game. And remember, they said, you know, hey, this thing's pretty much over. Uh, go ahead and turn out the lights. And uh, next thing you know, Tariq Hill catches that 64-yard touchdown pass from Patrick Mahomes. It makes it 33-29. Davis gets the 19-yard pass from Josh Allen. And uh, all of a sudden, it's back up 36-33. And the uh, it looks like all of a sudden you're going to have uh, the, the Buffalo Bills pull it out, and then Butker kicks a 49-yarder as, as Patrick Mahomes in 13 seconds guides him down the field. It's 36, 36. It ties it up, and then the, uh, the Patrick Mahomes and company, they get the ball to uh, start the uh, overtime, and they take it right down the field and drop that 18-yard di- or 8-yard dime into Kelsey's gut for the victory. So looking at these two teams, as much as I, I, I think the rest of the country wants to see Cincinnati win, I just don't see how Cincinnati's going to knock off uh, going to be able to knock off Patrick Mahomes and company. So I'm going to take uh, the Chiefs at home, and I'm going to pick a score of 30-24. The Chiefs get the win in that contest. Ben, Kenny, who you got? Uh, here we go again. The Cincinnati, I, I would say, not hate, but mistrust. I for, First, I have to say, I feel like we're not talking enough about Andy Reid in Kansas City. First coach ever to lead two different franchises to four straight championship games. He, I, he's been the best coach of this generation behind Belichick. Um, and I still love him. I wish he won in Philly. But I'm taking the Chiefs, I think, 36-32. I just think they're too good. I love the Bengals. I love Joe Burrow as a Ben Roethlisberger of this era next to Allen and Mahomes. But I just think the Chiefs are too good. Eli Apple for the Bengals against Tyree Kill won't be fair. And, I, I mean, we saw it from Mahomes last week. It's No matter how well Burrow plays, he still has tricks up his sleeve. So, yeah, 36-32 and a crazy one. So there you go. That one's picked. Then you've got uh, last week's game with the Rams down in Tampa Bay. And Matthew Stafford, 28-38, two touchdowns, quarterback rating of 121.2. He proved himself. For all the doubters that have been out there saying Matthew Stafford, still the same old, same old, coming out of Detroit, this was a prove-it game. Going against Tom Brady, he did not blink. Brady was 30-54. of 54. For 329 yards, a touchdown. He also threw that pick and a quarterback rating of 72.2. Meanwhile, Matthew Stafford, 28-38, 366 yards, only sacked a couple of times, a couple of touchdown passes, the longest being that 70-yarder to Cooper Cup, 
by the way, that went for uh, went into the end zone. But a 121.2 quarterback rating, and Akers ran the ball okay. Jefferson, one carry, 15 yards. You know, Sony Michelle was only one carry for four yards in that game. But it was just back and forth and back and forth. And Leonard Fournette gets the nine-yard run as, as Tom Brady just guided him down the field. And Suckup kicks the extra point. Next thing you know, that game is tied at 27 apiece. And then it was it was Matthew Stafford time. And he guided him right down the field and gave Gay the 30-yard field goal range. And sure enough, he splits the uprights. And as time expired, uh, the L.A. Rams uh, get the victory down in Tampa Bay. And, and that was, to me, Matthew Stafford's coming out party. If Matthew Stafford goes on to win a Super Bowl, that game is significant. Not necessarily the game against the 49ers, even though McVay has not been able to beat Shanahan. But the fact that Matthew Stafford finally put it together when the lights were the brightest and he could say, I finally had enough talent around me to get me here, and all I needed to do was lead my guys. So Matthew Stafford, uh, which gets a big nod for kind of the, the validation game last week, I'm going to take Matthew Stafford over Garoppolo and company uh, in the contest coming up uh, on Sunday because I just think Matthew, I just think the Rams top to bottom are a more talented team. There is something to be said for the grit. There is something to be said for McVay's or uh, Shanahan's mastery over McVay. I don't know what it is. I don't know why it is. I don't know if it's just mistakes that he's able to force that team into making. But but Shanahan was extremely good at looking at the Packers and saying, you know what? We can't beat you here and can't beat you here, but we're going to beat you here because there's something we can exploit. I would expect him to do the same in L.A. this weekend, but I still think the Rams, I'm going to take the Rams 24-17 to knock off uh, the 49ers. If the 49ers even score a touchdown, even though it's going to be in a dome, it's going to be better weather conditions, I still don't see Jimmy Garoppolo guiding that team down for maybe but one, two tops touchdowns in that contest. I'm taking the Niners, uh, number one. I from what I've seen, SoFi is going to be close to 50-50 fans. So home field advantage won't be much for the Rams, if not at all, if not a, a San Francisco advantage. I just think there, there's something to be said about the grit that they're playing with. Kittle talked about it at what I played coming out of the break. But that last game of the season, they were down 17 nothing to the Rams. The Rams look unstoppable. McVay's running up the sideline at every touchdown. And then slowly but surely, they come back. They battle. We saw it against Dallas. They held on, but they made plays late. And then obviously last weekend. So I like what Shanahan's doing. McVay, for some reason, just can't beat him. And I don't think this is a, oh, now McVay's due. I think there is something to be said about Shanahan dominating him. So I'm going to take the Niners. As long as Jimmy G doesn't throw three picks, I think they win. So next week, we'll obviously talk about the Super Bowl and who's going to win that one. But if you're going to start hedging your bets, now you got the 49ers and the Chiefs, and I'm going to have the Chiefs and the Rams. Um, can you imagine if Cincinnati beats the Chiefs, what it'll be like out in L.A.? Oh, unbelievable. C- Cincinnati fans won't. Cincinnati fans don't travel real well. Uh, they wanted to drive to Nashville to see that Tennessee game, but that's, that's six hours away, uh, ten hours away. You can drive there. That's not a terrible drive. They're not driving to L.A. Can you imagine if the Rams or the – well, the Rams or the 49ers obviously are going to be there, but can you imagine if the Rams get the win and they face Cincinnati, what kind of a dominated hometown crowd that's going to be because Cincinnati fans just don't – they're not even used to this. Or they don't might, know what to do. Might even be Niners fans at that point. Or Niners fans. Uh, just, you know, being the West Coast, obviously. But it, but it's – it's. can you imagine I, the home field advantage that the Rams are going to have 
in that contest. Well, much like Tampa Bay last year, obviously. But but uh, if it was the Chiefs, Chiefs have a historic team, a storied team. They got fans all over the country. Cincinnati, there. That's a very, very, very. You talk about a fan base that's tiny. That's a small fan base. I would say I would effort to say maybe they're they're better than Jacksonville. Uh, they're going to be better than say Houston. But they're not in the top echelon of, of good franchises that travel well. Well, I would look forward to your apology to the city of Cincinnati on Monday if they win. I'll give it. I'll give. We're, we're going to have Dan Horde on tomorrow, the voice of the Cincinnati Bengals, and 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 uh, and we'll talk with him about what he feels the chances are for Joe Burrow and company to advance. I just don't look. I, two things. I think one, Andy Reid is a better coach by far, and secondly, uh, than Zach Taylor. And secondly, I just think that offensive line is terrible. And as good as Joe Burrow was in that game against the Titans, he was not. He was facing Ryan Tannehill. He wasn't facing Patrick Mahomes. Yep. And I think Patrick Mahomes is the ultimate difference maker in this contest. So if they put the same amount of pressure on Joe Burrow and Joe Burrow is still able to throw the ball and still able to move the ball, it's not going to matter because I don't think he's going to have enough to be able to keep up with what Patrick Mahomes and company can throw out there. There is one, one thing to watch, which I learned throughout my childhood, is Andy Reid does have a Mike McCarthy propensity that in the big games to mismanage the clock, waste his timeouts, and get his team into tough situations. Mahomes has been good enough for that not to matter at all, but that is something that I've just learned by watching him for the last 20 years. When it gets the NFC Championship game, there is something about Andy Reid that the clock just doesn't make much sense. Well, we'll see what happens, but I still put, give the nod to Andy Reid. So that's going to do it. Uh, that That's the program. We were uh, great to be down here at Swagger Sports Bar in, uh, on uh, Ross and Avenue, Root River. We're glad to be here and be a part of it. Thanks to our friends at Bud Light, uh, the official beer sponsor of the Bill Michael Sorton Sports Talk Network. Until then, time for us to get out of here. Have a great night. Have a good one. See you. The Bill Michael Show Podcast. Listen, rate, subscribe.